Hello, everyone, and welcome to Unwrapped. I'm your host, Emily Vogel. And as always, we have our amazing co-host, Andy Ortiz. Andy, how are you? Oh, you know, we're getting there. How are you, Em? How are you? How are you actually? We do this now. This is our thing. We have to check in genuinely. So how are you actually? I'm good. I am so shocked that it is the end of July. So yeah, much that has happened. Real. Um, how are you, Andy? I, I same big, big same. It's uh, it's just kind of been gross weather here too. Like for summer at least, or at least for the end of July, it's been really gross here in Chicago. So that does weather affect your moods at all, or is that just like a weird me thing? Like, oh, it totally <laughs> like, affects my mood. Okay, because it's I mean it's it's what July something. Right? I genuinely don't even know today. It's the end of July. That much I'm certain of. And it's like gross and raining outside, at least here in Chicago today. And I'm just like, I, but then again, I I don't know. I I don't. The answer is I don't know how I am. I am here. I am living, and I don't know how else I'm doing. And that's just the honest answer there. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm kind of bummed because Andy. I feel like we. We talked about this earlier in the week. Choco Tacos breaks my heart. I'm not emotionally prepared to say goodbye to Choco Tacos. This is a thing that happened that I was not ready for. Did you, were you like a Choco Taco fan? I feel like there are two camps on this. I feel like everyone's always like, what's a Choco Taco? Or they're really upset that it's leaving. And I am of the latter. I am very upset about it. So you're, are you a Choco Taco person? Have you had them? I'm I'm team Taco. I can't even say this. I'm team Choco Taco. Team Choco Taco, sure. Team Choco. That's like a tongue twister right there. <laughs> it's they're listen, they're excellent. I will say though, I used to so I don't like the typical Choco Tacos. This is what I learned in this whole debacle of them announcing that they were discontinuing it. Apparently, the Choco Tacos I had were not normal Choco Tacos because I had them, they were filled with chocolate ice cream instead of like, like the sketchy off brand ones. <laughs> But they were, I, I remember like Klondike being on the box. So I don't think they were sketchy offering. I think it was just like a, a chocolate ice cream version of it. Because I'm a chocolate ice cream person, just like in general. I prefer that over vanilla. I like when I go to Dairy Queen, I get a cookie jar blizzard, but like with chocolate ice cream, like that's my thing. So apparently I was, I was an outlier with Choco Tacos, but I am upset about these. And I am also, it's hilarious to me because everyone's like, I'm mad that they're leaving and I haven't had one in years. Same. But that doesn't mean I don't want to have the option of having one. You know, like that's always a pleasant surprise. If you see it available, you're like, hell yeah, I want a Choco Taco. It's kind of like, Andy, I, I this is a little bit of a stretch, but it's kind of like this idea of women's rights and abortion where it's like, I don't need an abortion right now, but I would like to know that I have the option. What an I analogy. would like to have the choice. <laughs> This this analogy, Emily. Yes, it is certainly a stretch. I see what you're saying. It it is it is certainly within the realm. That is not what I expected to come out. Like when you said it's a stretch, I did. There was just no way I could have predicted that you were. Wrong. But you're not wrong. Yeah, it'd be. It's just you got to have your options open. I that's. I, I'm you got to have your options open. That was open. so funny. I I feel like you know. All these other countries are looking at us now, you know, no women's rights, no Choco Tacos. And then I'm reading about in the UK, in England, they're giving free movie tickets to redheads. And one of the headlines I read, I think on CBS was movie theaters give quote unquote vulnerable redheads free movie tickets to escape the heat wave. And I'm not a redhead. And I mean, two thoughts on this. One, 
and talk about this in my newsletter too. One is the colored hair dye going up. Can you just dye your hair? Or two is someone like, okay, let me see your Vax card. Let me see your roots. Like, is this, how, how monitored is this? Like, is Prince Harry coming back to the UK because of this? But I, cause I know he recently just spoke about to the UN last week about how the lack of, or the reversal of Roe v. Wade is against American democracy and against freedoms. I mean, he's not even American, but you know, is he, is, are him and Megan ready to move back? So you know, she can have rights and he can go to the movies. That's I, I had not heard about this, this redhead movie ticket headline. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit concerned you were reading something like the onion, but I'm going to trust that it was real. I love how you seamlessly weave these all together. These topics that you have, you're like, I'm going to touch on this. I'm going to make it work with this. I'm going to make it work with it. it works. You're, you're doing the Andy you're doing the, I'm going to find a bridge just wherever one can be built. Um, I, I want to go back to what you said earlier because <laughs> So other, I, I really love the concept of other countries looking at the U.S. I mean, like, no reproductive rights for women, no Choco Tacos. Like, I don't want to be here because you know what? Same. Honestly, that is, it's really, it's a hellhole right now. It's because of the Choco Tacos and because there are no rights. Yes, you hit it on the head, Emily. You, you nailed it. This is a wild way to start today. But you know what? It's lifting <gasps> um, my spirits. Yes, yes. Well, another thing that America does have is obviously Hollywood and our amazing award shows this month, you know, despite. I mean, I don't know about amazing award shows. They've kind of gone downhill, but like they're fun. They're a good time. There's pretty dresses. Yeah, there's the hype around it. The hype yeah. of, you know, when that list of Emmy nominations comes out, I'm like, I got to watch all the shows. You know, there's at least some hype around it, I feel like. Dude, when Emmy nominations uh, come out, it always reminds me that I'm not watching enough. And I always feel overwhelmed by how much I am, like how much I need to watch. My two watch list is always huge. And then Emmy nominations come out and I'm like, shit, I haven't watched half of these. And like that there's a problem within Emmy nominations themselves of like diversity of shows, not not even so much in like actors of color. I just mean like so many like one show gets so many. I think Succession got what, like 14 nominations this year. I haven't seen Succession. But that's a lot of nominate like. Spread the love a little bit more is, all I'm, is what I'm getting at. Spread the love. Spread the love. And I know I, I can't, if I were to get into the snubs and surprises aspect of this, I could be here forever. But I do definitely want to touch on um, some of the exciting uh, headlines um, that were put out. A lot of records broken. A lot of cool things happening. So, of course, always striving for more diversity. There's never enough. But we did reach some new milestones. Um, women compromise almost half of all directing nominees. Sandra Oh, Bowen Ying, and Squid Game stars led record number of Asian actor Emmy noms. Selena Gomez uh, became the second Latina to get producer Emmy nomination. Quinta Brunson became the first Black woman to receive three Emmy nominations. And Zendaya um, is also the, both the youngest woman nominated for producing and the youngest two-time nominee for acting. Two times so, one year. She's competing against herself this year at the Emmys. Crazy. Crazy. Wild. Like, I do. Nice I want to go back to Quinta talented. Brunson, though. Quinta, Quinta Brunson. Abbott Elementary is one that, like, I, I don't know if you see. I have not. I will I will own up to this. I have not seen Abbott Elementary yet. It is on my list. I'm going to watch it because I have heard absolutely nothing but good things. Honestly, nothing but great things about the show. So I'm super stoked for her. But Quinta Brunson was on the cover of one of our Abbey magazines here at The Wrap. Did you see? Were you at that shoot? Did you get to see that in person? I wasn't. I was in um, L.A. I mean, I was in New York and the shoe was in L.A., but wow. she is amazing. I, like, no joke, I watch that show every day. Like, I have it on in the background because it always makes me happy. I 
have rewatched it so many times. And I think this week they also, she posted that they're back in production. So that's exciting. We love it. So if you haven't seen Quinta Brunson's cover on the rap magazine, I I think she posted on her Instagram. I know it's on our Instagram somewhere. Look, just go find it. It is such, it is beautiful, beautiful photography. Now, speaking of Emmys, today we have Emmy-nominated actress and loop star Michaela J. Rodriguez, formerly known as MJ Rodriguez, and hack star Hannah Einbinder, who just received an Emmy nomination for the show. Um, And in both of these shows, I noticed that both Michaela J. and Hannah are put in these situations where they're working with an older woman a wealthier woman, a more successful woman, and helping her sort of come back down to earth. So it's this whole idea, really, I feel like that mentorship can go both ways. Mentorship isn't just always someone who's older, more experienced teaching you, it can go both ways. Um, But you know, mentorship is such a big part of this podcast. And we want to make sure that you have the information and the tools uh, to be successful. And given that this is a podcast, um, I got a chance to talk to Ann Kennedy McGuire, who is the chair of Loeb and Loeb's podcast division, all about what it takes to have a successful podcast. So I got to do some learning myself, which was really exciting. Um, Be sure to stick around for that because she goes into what it takes to get a podcast deal, what audiences are looking for. She even shares some of her favorite podcasts that she listens to. Um, So it was a really great time. Um, So be sure to stick around for that. And let's jump in because we have so much awesome content for you guys. So first up, as I mentioned, we do have Michaela J. Rodriguez, who you probably recognize her as Blanca from the award-winning FX series Pose. And last year, she became the first trans performer to ever be nominated for an Emmy in a lead acting category. Earlier this year, she became the first transgender woman to win a Golden Globe. Uh, and as I mentioned, she most recently starred across my Rudolph and Apple TV Plus's series Loot which I highly recommend. Let's roll it. Michaela J, hello. Thank you for joining us on Unwrapped. We are so excited to be talking to you. How are you? Genuinely, how are you? The world is a, a mess at all times. So just how you doing? I love how you said the world is a mess at all times because it literally is. And yes. even while it is a mess at all times, honey, I still thrive and choose to pump right through. So I'm doing good. I'm in my new home, y'all in LA. Can't complain. Good. Well, we are glad to have you with us. We're going to jump right in here. We're going to start with Loot. I want to know how this project comes across your desk. How does this get pitched to you? And what is it that you're like, oh, yes, I need to do this. Was it Maya Rudolph? Because for me, it would be Maya Rudolph. I would see her name and I'd be like, mm-hmm, yeah, I'm in. It doesn't matter what you need. Believe it or not, I met Maya like a couple of years, no, a few years before that. And like, I remember fanning out and be like, I hope I get to work with you one day, girl. And she was like, you will. It was so calm and graceful. And then I got the script from my agents and I read it completely through. And I was like, oh yeah, this is definitely a character I want to play. She's not like Blanca. She's not like any of the other characters I've ever played even before Blanca. And I definitely want to do something that's going to show versatility. Like, I just don't want to be like the, you know, one trick pony. I want to be a well-rounded, well-rounded actress. So I was like, let's read her. Let's get into Sophia. Oh, I like her. I like that she's, you know, a bit of a bitch, which, you know, it doesn't hurt. It does not hurt. Um... And I also like that she's straight-laced and she plays no games and she's self-assured. And I, I have some pieces of that in me. And I was like, I need to execute this. I love it. I, lo- I, love, the, I love the embracing of like, she's a little bit of a, bit of a bitch and we need it. And it's, it's okay. It's you okay. know, I've decided that I, I reclaim that word. I'm, you know, 
people use that word and they try to like make it, you know, derogatory, but I'm going to reclaim it because, you know, it has a lot of weight and it shows that we're really actually bosses. So. I, yes. Michaela J. I am here for this. Yes. I, I'm a bitch. That's what I'm going to walk away with. This ah, knowledge. I'm a bitch. Ah. I'm a bitch. Ah. <laughs> well, so I, but you, I mean, you mentioned that you met at her earlier and you met Maya and you were, you know, like, I want to work with you. Emily and I, we are, we are big believers in, in manifesting here on Unwrapped. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I was going to say, so is this something that you believe in? Have you manifested other things for yourself? I'm so happy you asked that. That is the first question I've ever gotten in an interview that makes me really happy. Can I tell you a story? If it's too long, just let me know because I will no. not tell it. I don't care how long it is. You tell me what you want to tell me, Michaela J. We are here for you. Well, this is a bit of a sentimental story. It's really great. It's going to make you smile. It's going to maybe make you cry a little bit. Who knows? I mean, you may not cry, but you may feel sentimental. So, and I'll try to make it as quick as possible. I do believe in manifestation. I believe that it's, it is very powerful. And if you are in a certain part of your life where there's a lot of energy looming around that manifestation, it happens quicker. So anyways, went over to Cannes Film Festival. This was a year or two ago. And my uncle had passed away. We literally had found out that he had passed away like right before we had gotten to Lisbon and we had to like catch a plane from Lisbon to the South of France. Anyways, my mom finds it out. She screams in the airport. She's crying. I couldn't, didn't know what to do. I was like, oh my God, this is insane. So I'm coddling her, making sure she's okay. We get to Cairns. I have a whole kind of breakdown privately, which no one knows about until obviously today. I had a little breakdown and I was like, I don't want to walk on the red carpet. I can't do this. My, my uncle's not here. I just lost him literally a day ago and I don't know how to process this. And I remember my manager saying, you need to do this because your uncle would probably be upset with you if you didn't do this. And I was like, oh, why did you have to do that? You're right. He would be. So I did it. Then a couple of days down the line, I go on vacation. I take a two-week vacation in the south of France. Long story short, we have three days before um, this manifestation happens. My aunt tells me, who's with me on this vacation, she's also my godmother. She says, you should listen to this guy. He's really going to get you through. He's going to be a great influence for you. And he's going to make sure you're, like, he, the music is going to set you free. So I listened to this guy with my boyfriend. His name is Gregory Porter. I think we listened to him for about three days. Um, and the day before I went to this like store, I remember me and my mom getting into like a little argument. And I feel like there was just so much energy, spiritual energy looming around what had happened with my uncle and the, the Emmy nominations coming up at that time. It was weird. So anyways, we played this guy for three days. I tell my aunt, I wanna go out. We need to go to this place. I keep passing this place by, it's a child store. And I wanna look at this balloon because I'm a big old kid. <laughs> I'm like, I want to look at this balloon and I want to like try to buy it. So we walk into this um, place. My boyfriend and my aunt get caught up looking at 10 cars. I walk into this place and who do we see? Gregory Porter. Now, if it were in LA or New York City, yeah, of course. Of course okay. we would see him. But in the south of France, the odds are just crazy. So right. manifested him into our life to see him at that moment. And not only that, but he mentioned he would get tickets from my aunt. I was just like, that's wild. So I that's great. Long story. Um, but I promise I won't tell any more long stories after this. <laughs> we love that, it. Manifesting that's, that's amazing, works, everyone. Though. Yes. 
manifesting works. Okay. So getting back to, getting back to loot though, I am, I do yes. have to ask here because with, with your character and my Rudolph's character, and I mean, in terms that you've put it in before, they are like oil and water when they meet. I, how do you, how, how, how do you act like you dislike Maya Rudolph? How do you craft this relationship? That is so freaking hard. By the way, you know what? I think I'm going to change, change the terminology of oil, oil and water to oil and vinegar. You want to know why? why? Okay. Because even though the separation between the oil and vinegar looks kind of crazy it's amazing and i feel like that is the glue uh to maya and sophia though they have these like like the separation between them in reality they need each other to taste pretty good and um it's very very hard to be a hard ass to maya rudolph because not only do you love her and she's an icon but also you don't want those feelings to be Interpret it another way because they're not real. But she's a, a well-known actress. She's seasoned, so she knew they weren't real. But I thought I, they were real. I felt real scared. I was like, are you okay? Okay, I didn't mean that. <laughs> I didn't mean it. You're my queen. We're, we're, we're good, right? We're fine. That, that part. I didn't mean that. You know that, right? The, the princess <laughs> with her tiara tipped to the side saying, dear queen, can you just tell me what this tiara? I didn't mean to. <laughs> I've had exactly one interaction with Maya Rudolph in my life. And it wasn't even an interaction. I saw her at Disneyland once and it was from a distance. So I was like, that's, that's Maya Rudolph. I think you saw her at Disneyland while we were filming. She talked about Disneyland with her kids while we were filming. She was like, we're going to go. And Stephanie, who works there, who's on the show, she made it happen. So I think you saw her. And we talked about that on this podcast. We did. We did. Okay, Emily, you need to take over. I just need a minute to well, so Manifestation. <laughs> manifestation. I love this. I love this. Um, okay, so back to the show, though. Um, yes. So uh, your character, you know, she's exposed to the lives of, you know, the rich and famous. And as a celebrity yourself, you know, has there been a moment where you were like, holy crap, like, this is excessive. This is ex- excessive spending. Like, I can't believe people are spending their money like this. Um, okay, so believe it or not, I am like a homebody, so I don't go out that much. So I hadn't really seen that. I've only ever seen it like on television when I see like certain celebrities like living their lives on television. But other than that, no, not in real life. Well, that isn't kind of real life. Well, no, I haven't. <laughs> um, and then speaking of like real life and in your actual your your actual life in your character's life, so Sophia helps Molly track down Jean Pierre on social media. She's like, "This is a case for the <laughs> FBI. I got this." And I feel like every friend group has that friend. For me, I'm like, yes. seconds, I'll find out everything." Um, do you have a person like that in your friend group, or are you that person? Oh, I listen. My best friend is that person for sure. His name is Rayvon Middlebrooks. Shout out to Rayvon Middlebrooks. I love him so much. I'm like, listen. Um, there's a situation happening over here where I'm at. I need you to do your little, your little search. And he was like, girl, I'm on top of it. I'm on top of it. you. Don't have to worry. And literally in five seconds, he has it for me. So yes, I do. Wait, Emily, are you that person in your friend group? I feel like that. Are you? Oh, I am. I am like two that seconds. Comes, oh. Everything. LinkedIn, family, all the deets. Oh, I don't, what's, what's your record? That's, what's like the, the, the least amount of information you've ever had and then found someone? I, Cause I did that once. I did that for a friend who met a guy through a dating app and I was like, what's his name? And I was like, let me see a picture. And I, within, within four seconds, I was like, mm, I got him. Okay. He works here. This is what he, so like I had a name that was the it. Here's his high school roster when he played whatever sport or <laughs> yeah. height. Family home address. Um, yeah, it goes. It goes deep. I don't want to. Hopefully, 
no one is listening to this who I've like oh, that's true. potentially been talking to, but um, I don't know. Um, yes, I've stalked you. It's important. Yeah. Um, so, but your relationship in the show, Sophia, she's kind of in this love triangle, right? So she has this one guy who's kind of fun, keeps her on her toes, this other guy who's a little bit more dependable, but maybe like yeah. you know, a little more boring. Who would, who would MJ tell, or Michaela J, who would you tell um, Sophia to go for? Oh, I would definitely tell her to go with the lawyer. I mean, listen, and this is the thing. I read the script and I lived for it. And I love that, you know, she had that guy that sent her flowers and everything. But the lawyer seems like he's a hard ass and he doesn't listen. And I think Sophia likes that. I think she wants to, like, knock him over the head with her intelligence and use that to the best of her ability and gain power in that. I think that's what it is. So I would go with him. Have you ever been in, like, a love triangle like that where you kind of had to you had to choose like that? Possibly. But, you know, that's for another day. <laughs> Emily, have you been in a love triangle? Uh, maybe like love hexagons at points. I don't know. I respect you. Oh my God. Yeah, this is, this is, this. I love this podcast. Thank you for having me. I love y'all. <laughs> uh, I just, I like the very subtle flex there. It's been a love hexagon. I've had like five guys after <laughs> me actually. So, um, <laughs> meanwhile, I'm like, I have a triangle. It's really right now, I'm more of just like, I just, I'm just looking for a text back at this point. That was, you know, oh. back in the day. Manifesting, guys. I'm manifesting. Watch before this podcast is done. Before we are done recording today, Emily's gonna be like, "Oh, I got a notification from this guy." My DMs are gonna be off the chain. (laughs) As you should, though, because we are beautiful women in this chat, and therefore we need men just like loving on us. Uh, I believe the correct term is we are beautiful bitches in this chat. Sorry, I messed up on that. We'll never mess up on that again. (laughs) We're holding. We gotta gotta bring it back. Well, in the show as well, you know, Sophia and her team, big Dave and Buster's fan. I'm a big Dave and Buster's fan. Are you an arcade kind of girl? Like, are you a Dave and Buster's kind of person? Kidding me? Okay, so this is what people do not know because they they see the fashion and it just like glosses over them when I'm wearing like nice outfits, all this stuff. I am a gamer to the core. So what's your game? Oh my god, y'all are gonna like hey, you're not gonna judge me because we brought it up. I love The Sims 4. The Sims 4 is my favorite. But it's not really a game. It's a simulation. Um, that's my intellect talking. Um, I like Mortal Kombat. I love the game named Blade and Soul. We can talk about this all day. But um, yeah, I'm a gamer. I love, I love The Sims. I just, Michaela J, I just really kind of want to have like a game night with you now. Like, can we just sit around, play Mortal Kombat, like get I'm some down. snacks? <laughs> I'm down. Popcorn, snacks. Let's do it. Let's do it i mean is that in in that sense though being a gamer does that help you kind of stay grounded in all the all of these things your career has skyrocketed girl i mean you're doing such incredible things so is that part of what helps you kind of take time for yourself and just remember you know who you are just as as michaela j as a person yes you hit it right on the nail like it is what keeps me sane it keeps me um humbled it keeps it's like an escape for me I always use this terminology when it comes to the Sims 4, like when I can't control anything, when there's no control in this earth, because we don't have as much as control as we think. I play the Sims because <laughs> that's the place where I have most control. And I can also see like, oh my God, like this is what our lives are like. Like there's something much bigger looking at us or has a gaze in on us. At least that's what I think. And it's real that that bigger thing is like, Honey, you don't have as much control as you really think. So um, just live it up, live it till the best of its ability. And then, you know, you'll come back to me and you'll realize, oh snap, I did that. That's what the Sims do. Is that weird? 
It's a very existential way to look at the Sims, but I, I, I appreciate it. It's I like a very, that. yeah. I think that too. I like walk over here. I'm over here and I'm like, why did I do this? I, I'm definitely I'm a Sim. Like <laughs> someone made me come, like there has to be a reason. It's a glitch. It's a glitch. Whenever I get deja vu, I'm like, this isn't, I don't, I hate the feeling of deja vu. So I'm like, is someone, well, does like someone restart me? Are we, is this, are we doing reboot. this over with? Yes. <laughs> Come on, Reboot. I love Deja Vu, honey. Just, I'm like, okay, I'm in the right place at the right time. Can I get another one just to like reassure me that we're good? Oh, that's, mm, I can't, I cannot relate. Deja Vu freaks me out. I, I do want to ask though, we talk about, you know, staying grounded. Let's, let's fantasize a little bit. Let's pretend that you had $87 billion as, as is the case in loot. What, what do you spend that money on? Because I really, I think about this a lot. I'm like, I don't know how billionaires just sit there with all of that money and, and just live their lives. So like, what would you do with it? Honestly, if I had $87 billion, the first 10 billion would probably be distributing it like to the ideas that I've created in my head for like a sanctuary, like for everyone to go to everyone, like everyone, not just specific religious denominations, like everyone to really figure out how they can come together, get along, share space together, whether they're believing in one thing or the next, like that's where it is. And it would be a natural sanctuary, like build with like branches and leaves and trees. And it literally looks like a sanctuary, but like a, a safe haven where the sun can shine through and people can just feel comfortable. And there's meditation music playing and you don't know where it's coming from, but it feels like spiritual. That's what I would do with the first 10 billion. Then the rest of the 77 billion, I'm good at math. I'm really happy about that. Do you think I was? Um, I would probably give away because I'm. I don't know what the hell I'm gonna do with that. Like I just don't know what I'm gonna do, and I don't like to sit on money. Like that's just not what I want to do. So I'd probably give it away to like a lot of charities. Go travel the world and make sure I give it to places that need it. And yeah, I'm such a cheesy person, but yeah, that's what I would do. That's not cheesy. That's called having a kind heart. We don't, we don't frown on that or make fun of that ever. It's not cheesy. It's just very, very nice. I think I personally believe that we could use more people like that. I hope we could. Well, hopefully we get more people like that. Hopefully we change some of these billionaires' minds with Lou. Wouldn't it be nice? What? And I mean, in that in that vein as well, I obviously in, in, you know, Molly in the show uses her platform to kind of help empower communities and help empower people once she right. sort of, you know, figures out what she's doing with her life. I mean, you you do that, too, as Michaela J. You you empower your communities, you empower the trans community, you empower so many different people. I mean, what how, how much pressure is that on you? And how do you how do you kind of deal with that? How do you reconcile of like being in the public eye and wanting to do that kind of good? Believe it or not, I feel like I was just built for this. I feel like I, you know, being an actress and a singer and a performer, just an artist in general, I feel like that's what I love to do, right? But like, I feel like there's always a bigger picture as to why I was put in this position to do what I love to do. And it was just simply to influence a group of people and let them know that if it's capable for me, a person who is deemed as otherwise, it, it happens every single day. I can't tell you how many times I look at comments and by the way, I look at them and I'm totally fine because some people are like, you shouldn't look at those. I'm like, oh child, that don't bother me. But I look at them to reflect and see how people react to me as a trans woman in a space making change. Then some of them don't like it. And I'm like, oh great, that's good that you don't like it. That means you're actually looking at me and you're actually seeing the change that's happening. And I think that's what my purpose was for people who want it and people who want something to look to and not to only be influential, but to be inspirational, but also to the people that hate 
Yeah, keep looking, boo, because it's not going to stop. It's going to keep going. Y'all push me too. Well, I love, you know, coming off of Pose and other shows, you know, which really focus on trans stories and trans struggles and being a trans person. This show doesn't talk about that at all. You're just right. putting a character and that's that. So can you talk mm -hmm. about that? And also just, you know, what advice you have for trans people breaking into the industry? I would say, you know, it's important to know that you're not just, uh, you know, this niche kind of human being. And they do it to women all the time. They do it to trans women all the time. I mean, men don't get hacked as much as we get collectively as trans women and women together, you know? So um, I would say that, you know, we have the capabilities, we have the opportunities and we have the angst to be whoever we want to be and it's not gonna stop us. And the more we collectively come together as cis and trans women in these spaces, the more power we have collectively and it's just gonna keep rolling through. Um, I encourage every single person who's a part of the LGBTQAI community cis and trans alike, because there are cis people in the LGBTQAI community, um, to never let someone tell you how to live your life and never let them determine or deter you from the goal or the passion that you have. I never had that. I had a mother who is a cis Black woman who saw her child and who loved on her child and who instilled hope and faith into her child. And I had that to just carry me on. So, yeah. Let that, let that carry you, whether it be your biological mama, your house mama, or your friend or your brother that got you, let that be the, um, the drive for you to push through and not let anyone tell you how to live your life. Yes. Oh. Shout out to the families. Michaela J, that is all the time we have. Thank you so much for, for talking with us today. It has been an absolute joy. You are welcome to speak with us anytime. We'll, we'll get in touch about it. We'll get in touch about a game night though, because that yes, needs to happen please. first. I'm Holding you to the popcorn. I'm holding you to the like. We're gonna have a whole movie night, and it's gonna be a fun thing. I got you. Let's let's, let's get the let's get the DMs going. We'll we'll find you on socials. Okay, got you. I cannot wait. Well, thank you so much. This was so much fun. We are back. Michaela J. Rodriguez, just an absolute gem of a person. Emily, I I don't I kind of blacked out a little bit when she said that my manifestation question is the first time that a question in an interview has ever made her happy. Did I did I hold myself together okay? Because I don't remember the next like 45 seconds at all. So how'd I do? I I mean, I don't know. I was fangirling for you. I was kind of blown away in that moment too. I was like, oh my gosh. So, I mean, hopefully we both kept our cool. I mean, you got you guys, you guys make the decision, but I, I think we, we did okay. I think I think we're professionals and we mostly held it together because at no point during any of these interviews ever am I fully holding my cool. I just fake it really, really well. I am always freaking out. That remains true with our next interview, Miss Hannah Einbinder from Hack. She plays Ava. She is very, very, very funny. And I don't know why I'm telling you that because I think you, I think you know that. I think if you know who Hannah, Hannah Einbinder is, you're like, oh, yeah, she's super funny. So let's just go ahead and jump right into that one. Hannah, hello. Welcome to Unwrap. Thank you so very much for joining us today. Uh, we, we make a point of asking this and we mean this genuinely when we say it. How are you? The world is on fire, always. How are you doing, genuinely? No, uh, it's, it is rough out there. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm okay. I, you know, could be much worse. Um, lucky to live in California. Lucky to be a privileged individual, for sure. So, um, but yeah, really sad heart pretty much every day. For a while now, 
so but yeah how are you guys we're we're, we're getting through it's certainly a uh, surviving not thriving kind of time for for women in general right now so we we feel you emily you doing okay today i mean it's friday at least hanging in there hanging in there Good. It's but we're happy and like, game my day you know? a whole lot better because now we're with hannah so yeah happy to we're be not gonna skip guys. over that joke though it's friday in hell yeah hannah you're very funny you should be a comedian for a living has anyone ever told you that maybe once or twice once or twice well we are gonna dive into into hacks here because we are both such fans of you such fans of hacks again very excited that you are here i big believer i am in speaking like Yoda, I guess. I am a big believer in starting on my most important question. So Hannah, tell me, I mean, listen, you've had rocks thrown at you by Gene Smart. You've been slapped in the face by Gene Smart. You've also gotten to kiss Gene Smart. So are, I mean, like, what is the best one out of all of those? Are you living the dream? Tell me everything. I and mean, come on, is that a question? <laughs> um, no, every day with Gene is, is a thrill, even if we're, you know, laughing, if we're crying. Um, it's uh it's been really incredible we like have a joke on set that like my first week of shooting they put me through like the acting gauntlet because I was like uh had to do like a physical thing I had to like get like sprayed with sprinklers I had to like cry I had like every type of you know sort of like acting feat one can experience like all in a very compressed uh time and there's no better person to do that alongside than Jean Smart because I learn I learn it all from her. I feel like I would be sitting there and I'd be like, "Is this like a final test? Is this a final audition? Like, is that what's happening yeah. here? Trying to make sure I can oh, yeah. everything." Oh yeah, oh yeah. I definitely thought I was like gonna get fired like four months into shooting. Just like I know they're gonna replace me any day now. <laughs> Just like this can't be happening. Four months in, it's not gonna work. I've been here, but it's just not. It's, yeah. I, they reshot I, I the entirety like of Ferris Bueller's Day Off with a with Michael J. Fox after having shot it with a different actor. Fun fact, and I was like, "That's going to happen to me." <laughs> it's it's gonna you're gonna be the next one. Well, I mean, at this point, you are two seasons in. You have this rapport with Gene Smart. I mean, how do you guys continue to push each other? I mean, do you really just sit in a writers' room and you're like, "All right, what can we put Hannah through this week? What can she take?" And then you just, I mean, what I, you get to also push Gene in a lot of ways, I have to imagine. Tell me tell me how you keep that rapport going and keep that relationship and that dynamic as, as wonderful and enjoyable as it is. I mean, so I'm personally not in the writer's room, but like our writers are such prolific, incredible, deep, funny people. And so it, it's really like, you know, all we just, we just come and we, they make the material so easy to bring to life because it's so very much already there on the page when we get the scripts um and so you know it, it is a really natural thing I don't think there's any like specific conscious effort into like how can we make this work it's already there and it works regardless and Jean and I have a very close relationship and so like the love and stuff and all of the like depth of the relationship comes naturally to us well, d does that love go both ways? Because I feel like I've heard you say before that your your dynamic is you love her and she hates you. Is that is that a thing? <laughs> That's just our little joke. We both love each other. Joke. She'll tell you. <laughs> well, 
in season two, you get to have this very fun road trip aspect of it all. You get to travel in this giant RV bus. I don't know the correct term for it. It's a, a giant vehicle that you are going across sure. country. And have you ever done a road trip like that? Like, are you a road trip person? I've done it once in my life. And I think I think I enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, I haven't gone cross country, but I've definitely been like uh, in a tour bus on the road. Um, Chelsea Handler, fabulous uh, comedian, uh, took me on the road a lot before uh, the pandemic. I was opening for her, um, and we rode in a tour bus. <laughs> it was a little, little meta, I'll say, being like the you know younger female comic with the older female comic who is like a legend and like a blonde and like you know a tough person and like a sweet person but like a tough meaning like you know like strong uh person right. and um so yeah it yeah I had my own little <laughs> Deborah Vance experience myself with Chelsea which was so cool I'm gonna need a book of that I just need you to write a book based on like on the road Chelsea Handler I just need to know what that road trip is like I need to I need to know all of the stories from <laughs> that all fabulous. um so when you guys aren't on the road trip though um, kind of the home base for Ava and Deborah is Vegas. And like watching Ava have to live in Vegas on the strip, like I'm there two days and I'm like, get me out of here. And like, I, I get like hung over watching her there. But like, do you, are you a Vegas person? Do you have any like favorite Vegas spots? Like asking for a friend. Andy, I don't know if you've ever been to Vegas, but like I was Once there in my life and it was when I was a child. And so we'll see, we'll see if it ever ends up being a second time thing, but once. So yes, <laughs> sell me on Vegas, Hannah. So, okay, I hated Vegas for the longest time, and I never had a positive experience. I actively had bad experiences there um, until I shot uh, the television show Hacks on HBO Max. And when I did that, I believe the curse was broken, and I was able to go back to Vegas and have, like, kind of a fun time. I also don't drink, so that's, like, not conducive super much, you know, to to that environment. Um, but if you aren't a drinker and if you're not like looking to party with the masses, a great way to do Vegas is dinner and a show, you know, dinner and a show. My buddy Reggie and I, we went there one night only. We saw Penn and Teller, the magicians. Um, and it was fabulous and it was bonkers and so cool. And we went to bed at like, you know, 1045. So <laughs> that's kind of my speed. You know, I'm really not. I can't. I'm. I'm weak. I'm tired. I'm weary. I've lived. I don't need to party anymore. <laughs> I've lived. I've done it. I've seen it. We're good. Yeah, I grew up in um, LA. It's it's over for me. You're done. You're done. Yeah. Um, so going back to the 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 whole kind of tour that you guys are on this season, one of those stops is the cruise. Um, and just watching Ava let loose was super fun. So was how fun was that to film on the lesbian cruise? Fabulous. I mean, you haven't lived until you've seen a Carnival Cruise smoking section during the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, like, because we were, the the ship was docked and there were people who were actually in real life going on the cruise. It was like, they were like, okay, you can shoot on the ship while we're changing over. So people were coming on in like very like sectioned off areas, like away from production, but like people were there who were meant to set sail on the actual cruise while we were shooting. And I mean, it just is the crowd is like, you just, you haven't lived until you've seen like these individuals who are just like, 
yeah, I'm going on a cruise ship when every article during the pandemic is how like 90 people are like fully spreading COVID, like insanity. But um, it was wild. It was like a wild uh, time to to do that. And I'd never been on a cruise ship before ever. And so that was cute and fun. Um, <clears throat> and like, it was also one of the first episodes in this season where Ava's like, Ava and Deborah start to really get back in the groove of their like true amicable dynamic, which was fun for me because I was like kind of like suffering the first three episodes where like Ava's in a lot of trouble and I just was like feeling that constantly and like wasn't so so it was a good kind of like uh way to get back to that um that really like positive dynamic in a very funny setting. Emily, have you been on a cruise? I haven't and especially during COVID like you read all the articles where people are like trapped on cruise ships, can't get out, like all this stuff. Yeah. And people kept going on cruise ships. I was like, anxiety. Mm -hmm. I've never been yeah. on a cruise either. I want to. It's like a bucket list item. But also I am fucking terrified of sharks. And it just feels like a way to really kind of poke at that fear every single day. And Titanic mm -hmm. scarred me a lot. Yeah. Every so time I, I see the big boat, I'm just like, you're just going to be in open waters. Like, I don't know. Wait, I'm wrong. I've been on a cruise ship. We did like a, we did like a, it was, it was our post-prom. That was, that was our post-prom event in high school. They oh, put us on was it the Queen Mary? It was not. So I'm from Chicago and, uh, oh, okay. and so it was just around like Michigan. So I don't remember what the hell it was called, but yeah. it was something at Navy Pier. We got on a big boat. It was awful. <laughs> it was cold. My prom date was not great. Sorry to put him on blast. But anyway, we're here <laughs> to talk about hacks. <laughs> Um, so on the cruise, though, I want to talk about, you know, Deborah's comedy and, you know, her, you know, she she's really nervous to go on because she's like, the lesbians hate me. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, she finds her group. But then in the end, you know, her her jokes, her comedy, her stand up does not fly with the lesbian crowd. And now given this whole era of cancel culture, like you as a comedian, are you more careful when you're writing jokes yourself? I'm not because I don't write jokes that are offensive because I don't, uh, I don't have to censor myself because that's not the kind of comedy that I do. So my comedy has not changed at all. I'm a good person. So no, I, I mean, like I'm not out here like dragging trans people. Like I don't, you know, there's nothing for me to like, you know, like censor right. or pull back on. Like any intelligent comedian knows how to not punch down and that that's like a lower form of comedy. So. Right. It's like, well, so, I mean, you mentioned that you're not in the writer's room, but I am curious if any of your humor, your jokes kind of do get into the script. I mean, how much of that is improv? How much of it is just you riffing with Gene Smart? Cause I feel like that's a real easy person to, to just go and have fun with and explore. Yeah. I mean, here, here and there, like, our creators are really, our, our divine creators, Paul, Jen, and Lucia, they are really generous with like letting us improvise like after we've gotten a scene in its totality, like we've covered it. They'll be like, all right, guys, this one's for you. Go crazy. Like do whatever you want. And sometimes like, fun stuff arises there and then sometimes it makes a cut and it's very fun. I love that. This one's for you. That, sound, that sounds fun. That sounds chaotic, but it sounds it very fun. fun. 
a lot of footage, a lot of, a lot of hours of like them letting us go. <laughs> I'm sure. So how, who do we, who do we bribe to get that footage? Is that, is that like oh a Paul Downs thing? I'm, I will slide the money to whomever I need to. I am desperate for a blooper reel because I mean, Poppy, Mark, Meg, Johnny, Carl, Caitlin, Rose, Jean, you know, this cast, Paul, like this cast is so funny and I've, been there with them when everybody's like kind of going off on those takes where we get to kind of improvise and it's just like pure gold i'm desperate for a blooper reel eventually how r-rated would it be though because that's that's kind of like the caveat with blooper reels right is a lot there's a lot of f-bombs that get through those yeah yeah sometimes but we could bleep it out why not the show's like you know PG thirteen or something, right? Yeah, you're fine. You can yeah PG thirteen. You're allowed one f bomb on screen, but whatever. It's HBO Max. We can we can do it. I, we can make yeah, it. It's HBO. Yeah, HBO. Yeah. If, if someone let Andy and I go off, you know, we who got God knows what would happen. We have a hard time <laughs> containing in our normal conversations. If, if we do, and I told Anna before we before we started recording, I was like, we're probably going to swear a lot, and it's just going to happen. And it's mayhem, craziness, chaotic energy. I love it. Say. It's totally fine chaotic energy is a really gentle way of putting it i put it as crackhead energy because that's just sort of what i feel like i give off at all times so i know myself hannah you can give me that look but i know myself <laughs> well i am curious i is there is there i mean for you for your brand of comedy for you is there like a secret sauce to your jokes is there like a is there like a one thing that you strive to do in all of your in all of your humor that like th this makes it work Ooh, interesting question. Um, I like to create a sense of like variety within my own act. Um, so I definitely, I mean, I, I think like good writing is my, is the most important part of uh, my comedy. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like to create a sort of like, uh, a menagerie of various different formats and uh, various different like um, styles of comedy within one uh, act. So it really does vary. Um, you don't get the word menagerie very often. Very nice. I, <laughs> people you. don't. I, I'm, I'm a nerd. I compliment people's vocab usage. So thank you. I just. I I had to put it. People don't use the word menagerie and it's a fun one. What what kind of humor do you enjoy? Not in terms of like what you create, but when you go see other people, because I really love like quick humor off the cuff. Like when someone says something in conversation and it just like immediately lands. I love smart comedy like that. Yeah. I mean, I love all comedy. Like really every form is interesting to me. Um, I love more improvised stuff. I love like more structured stuff. I love stuff that's multimedia, music, video, you know, PowerPoint, like a lot of really cool um, different forms I love. And then I, I, I mean, I love like straight stand-up comedy, like Taylor Tomlinson is one of my favorite comedians and my dear friend. And she's like about as classic as they come. And, but she's so like good. elevating the form so much and like, uh, is such an incredible performer. So like, I love, I love like traditional comedy as well. No, I have a quick, like a question as, as in tell both an actor and a comedian. I will. <laughs> uh, Andy says, hi. Um, no, as a, as a, as a comedian and as an actor, I have a 
to ask, like, do you, do you do any like impressions? Do you do any celebrity impressions or anything like that? Oh my God. I, um, I, I suppose I do, but only in conversation, like never, never for a crowd or anyone other than the person I'm talking to. If I, I am imitating someone, <laughs> um, I have never done it publicly, but, um, yeah, I, I technically the answer is yes, I do. I do impressions. What well, if any, if any of those impressions come up in, in the rest of our conversation, we do we do welcome them. If oh, you're, thank if you're you wondering so much. whether or not to do it. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, now, in terms of um, Ava's character in her development, do you have any say where the, 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 the writers might write something and you're like, actually, I don't know if Ava would do that. Or actually, I think it'd be better if it went this way or she said this um no i i've never i've never felt that way i think like uh ava is such a such a um concrete and clear individual in my mind and that's fully a credit to the depth that these writers have given her especially like her every facet of her personality has like is very clear to me and very sort of like structured and and all there so yeah we've never had any moments like that actually which is it's i gotta think be so rare. Nice, yeah it is i was because I, I would feel like i i don't know i'm not an actor but i just feel like i would get stressed if i like read a character and i'm like mm, that's not what she would do you don't get her like that would be that would be stressful so it must be nice to have that that trust in your in your writer's room and to know that like when you get a script you're gonna be like ah yes she's she's crushing it this week yeah yeah oh yeah ultimate yeah, trust we've had plenty people, yeah we've had plenty of people come on and they're like she was gonna do this and but we were like absolutely not so that's good though again like that you can really trust and what a great writing team and the crew who works behind it is unreal. Yeah. I love that after the episodes, just watching everyone talk and I'm like, Oh my gosh, genius. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're really, 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 really smart. It, it, it takes like very, very, very smart individuals to write good television. Um, very smart people. Well, and to avoid that that sophomore slump, right? Like that was the big thing with Hack season two is it didn't hit that sophomore slump. And and everybody said that it's it's just as good as the first season. We're excited for a third. Like it so let's but hang on, before we get to the third, I'm gonna get ahead of myself here. But let's let's talk about the end of season two because that finale maybe kind of broke me just like a little bit because she fires her. And it's for her own good. You see the love there, but like it is a moment and the dress and like the end. Oh, and the okay. dress <laughs> she's wearing the dress Deborah bought her like I was like crying with my sister Aww. same Sorry, hang on. yeah I was gonna say I had to show for a minute um but tell me tell me about filming that I mean tell me about reading it for the first time and just like where where does Ava go from here because again it's for it's for the good of her but like you can't you can't get the you can't split the band up yeah I uh cried so hard when I read that for the first time for like truly like 45 minutes like weeping um it was so because I wasn't like they didn't really warn me like I they just like sent me the script rude 
they weren't like by the way this happens you know like trigger warning uh it was very like i just was like reading the script like the rest of the world saw the episode and kind of like having that uh truth dropped on me was um insane it was like so sad um and I just like every time I went to memorize my lines, I would just like cry and cry and cry, um, which, which was uh, probably not the best. It, it I like should have not done that because I think like I, I don't know it it just was like so often like because you know I really sat with that scene and I sit with all scenes because I have ADHD and I have to like put extra time into every sort of memorization thing that I do but like I really was really wanted to get that down and have my take on it really clear and it was just so emotional and shooting it was so emotional and it was also like Lucia our director was was um she had just like gone into labor and so she she had a baby like maybe like a couple days before that scene like towards the end of our shoot and Trent O'Donnell who's an incredible director stepped in and he directed in her place but I was like calling her like before the <laughs> we shot the scenes just to like get her thoughts because like Lucia is like my greatest guide in the world and I just like love her so much and um it it's super it was super important to me like get her feelings and just like talk to her about it and um so yeah it was just like emotional all around because I was like missing her and she had just had like a baby and I was like you know is she okay like what's going on like and she was fine and the baby very healthy um but like I just it was it was very like this this figure who I love and respect and admire who I look up to in comedy you could say like Lucia was like absent there and Deborah and Ava are like there's this absence that's like about to go down it just was like so twisted in my head and I was just like devastated <laughs> by it like it was just so emotional so um yeah I mean that's the thing about this show it's just like so personal for all of us um, everything is so personal. So yeah, that scene was really heavy and, um, crazy. Clearly you like to get meta between doing your <laughs> Taylor tour, but, and then doing with Lucia B. That's, that's, listen, Hannah, you don't need to go all out all the time. You can. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so, I'm really becoming a little actress. <laughs> Don't ever apologize. You are excellent. I so where do we go from here? Where does where does Ava go from here? What what do you see coming for her? Because she seems like she's doing fine for now, but like we know it goes in waves. So what what happens next? What can you? Yeah, can you I don't. I mean, yeah, I, I really it's it's up to the heavenly creators. I don't um, because I'm not in the writers' room. Like I, I I find out like you know a couple weeks before we start shooting when I get the scripts like it's it's kind of like that but I mean I very much hope that um there is a way for them to come back together again um you know so uh hopefully just like more continued laughs and growth and depth and challenges to face together 
We hope so too. Um, well, quest, final question before we wrap. Um, you know, obviously in this series, Deborah is is a mentor to Ava. Um, do you have any advice for young comedians um, breaking into the industry? Absolutely. Um, my advice is if you live in New York or Los Angeles, to use the website, The Comedy Bureau. That's www.thecomedybureau.com. It has a list of every open mic in the city and every comedy show, every alternative comedy show that isn't going on in a comedy club. Uh, so that's a great resource to get into stand-up specifically. Um, if you live in either of those cities, I'm sure there are various other similar websites in other cities if you're starting in a more um, local uh, scene. But um, the Comedy Bureau is how I started. I just like, someone gave me the website and I just, hit as many open mics as I could every single night of the week. Um, you really have to sacrifice a lot to of your personal life to do that, um, which I very much did. Um, so it's just, it's, it's hard and it's um, worth it. If you love it, you love it and um, just keep going. And uh, yeah, just hit as many open mics as you can and then people will see you there and then you will find a way into the community and make friends and they will put you on their shows and then you can create your own show at like a coffee shop or like any sort of alternative venue. And then, um, you know, it all just kind of like happens from there. And if you keep, you know, working hard, think good things happen eventually. You're a good mentor, Hannah. You got good advice. You know, I try to give practical, real, you know, advice, actionable stuff. Yes, that is that is the key there is actionable. Well, Hannah, thank you again so much for talking to us today. It has been a pleasure, and especially for talking to us in such just shitty times. There's really kind of no other way to phrase that. It's, it's shitty times in the world, but we appreciate it. We appreciate the laughs that you bring us, that you brought us in this conversation and that you bring us on Hacks. We are excited to to see more, and hopefully we'll talk to you again. Thank you both. Appreciate you. Hope you Thanks, continue Hannah. to do well. Thank you. And again, we are back. Hannah Einbinder just makes me want to be funnier. Do you ever have that experience when you're talking to someone who is like professionally a comedian? And you're like, damn, I just wish I was funnier. Start my life, Andy. <laughs> Story. Life. It's when you're talking to me, right? It's whenever I say something, you're like, damn, I wish I was as funny as Andy. Goes through my mind the whole time we're talking always. So you know what? Can, can you read my mind? I can actually. I'm psychotic. I can read minds. Um, <laughs> no, that is, that's a joke from an old high school teacher who is always like, I'm psychotic. I can read minds. And we were like, well, you are psychotic. But uh, so yeah, I, I am aware that I am saying the wrong word here. But we, of course, still have one more excellent interview for you today because it is a jam-packed episode. Emily, true story about me when I was a child, when everyone asked me, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I was like, I want to be a lawyer. And clearly that didn't end up happening. But I always have so much respect for lawyers. So tell me tell me about speaking to one. Is she is she amazing? Are they as smart as they seem? I, I just I feel like that's a given. Um, first of all, that's amazing that you wanted to be a lawyer. I did not Indeed. know that. No, Anne is so cool. She's spoken um, for us before. She is um, at Loeb and Loeb. She is the chair of their podcast division, but she also is very involved in film and television and reality TV. So she really does it all. And 
it was so fun talking to her and I learned so much and I hope you guys enjoy listening to our conversation um, because I had a great time. So I'm ready. let's roll it. Let's do it. Hi, Anne. Welcome to Unwrapped. Hi, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We are so excited to have you here. How are you doing today? Good. You know, it's summer. Living the life. It's summer. <laughs> it's summer. Exactly. I know. I'm like, you got to focus on the positives. Yes, the world. We always say the world is a little chaotic right now, but we're here. It's summer. Exactly. It's a beautiful day. Uh, but we are here to talk about you, Anne, and your kick-ass job and what it means to be a lawyer in the entertainment industry. Um, so first off, can you just give our audience a background on what it is that you do? Yeah, yeah. I'm a partner at Loeb & Loeb in our entertainment group out of New York City. I my, foc- my practice focuses on reality television, production companies mostly, and on podcast producers and creators and networks, everyone in the podcast industry. So it's a, it's a wide variety of creators mostly and uh, a lot of unique and interesting problems to solve every day. <laughs> I love it. Now, when did you decide that you wanted to become a lawyer? Like when you were a little girl, were you always like, I, when I grow up, I want to be a lawyer. <laughs> no, I'm definitely, and that was funny because I think I went to law school and I was surrounded by those people. And I was always <laughs> like, huh, how did I get here? No, I basically, I graduated from Michigan and I was a poli sci and history major. So I was qualified for very little. And so I, I kind of had to go to law school. And the only thing I liked in law school was the intellectual property, like trademarks and copyrights. And, you know, I took one income tax class and thought, oh, dear God, no. So <laughs> that was always what I was interested in. And then I met my mentor at Loeb, you know, now like 13 years ago, and he was doing reality TV. And I was like, yep, that's it. That's now I know I want to be a lawyer because this is this is fun. And this is good. It's kind of fun. Yeah, (laughs) you're like reality TV. Hello, like, you gotta combine that with the the IP stuff. Um, Then how, how did you end up getting into the podcast space? Yeah, it was like, uh, five or six years ago. So fairly early on for, you know, the the meteoric rise of podcasts, but I actually started working with NPR. I was doing derivative deals. So podcast to TV and podcast to film. My first deal for them was um, wait, wait, don't tell me to become a game show. Uh, and I, you know, I already had a lot of knowledge in that space from the TV world. And then I met Ashley Flowers of Crime Junkie and it's we love of, her. <laughs> yes, she's amazing. I mean, she's she's just as amazing as you would think she was. And, I, you know, it just bloomed from there. I started working with a lot of different creators and a lot of different networks. And I was lucky because I listened to a lot of podcasts. So I was <laughs> excited to get to do it during my, uh, my daily work life as well, not just during my commute. <laughs> now, with daily work, what does what your job entail on the day-to-day? It's, it is, it's a, I mean, it's a fun mix of, you know, problem solving of crazy, you know, drama (laughs) with the reality TV world. And then podcasters also, you know, they're being more creative in terms of what kind of content they're doing and what kind of uh, investigations (laughs) they're getting themselves into. Uh, So there's a lot of a lot of problem solving on that side, too. So it's a lot of strategizing with creators and producers and figuring out a way to do things that, you know, is legal <laughs> and doesn't cause as many problems. I don't, I don't want to be a no lawyer. I want to be a lawyer that figures out ways, you know, to make things happen for folks. Problem solver. That yes, I love exactly. it. What are some of the deals that you've worked on recently yeah. or some of the, the big, pro- the big projects and that you've worked on in the past? 
Yeah, recently we worked on the licensing from NPR to Amazon Wondery of how I built this with Guy Raz, which was a big it was a big deal for NPR because they don't license a lot of their podcasts. And it was a big deal for, for Guy because obviously he wanted to go to the Amazon and Wondery platform. And it was a great experience to sort of navigate to large podcasters, you know, finding a way to work together on a big on a big project. And then, uh, you know, we've, we've worked a lot with Lemonada Media um, on expanding their network on both their financing side from a corporate perspective, but also just, you know, getting new podcasts on their network, like In the Bubble with Andy Slavitt and uh, Believe Her, which was a, their first sort of foray into true crime, which, you know, I always love because I'm a true crime junkie, but <laughs> it, was, it was just interesting to see them sort of spread their wings and get their creative voice in a different genre than they've done before. So I like to see our I like to see our podcasters be creative that way and, and bring their own voice to new projects. Now, what I've seen, which is really cool, and I don't know if you're involved with this at all, is because you're both on the podcast space and, you know, in the, in the film and TV space. But I'm seeing a lot of more like first look deals happening between podcasters, a podcast is successful, kind of like that, that proof of concept and then going out and then it becoming either a show or a movie. Are you involved in any of those deals at all? Yeah, we do a lot of that. It's yeah, because we have a, obviously we have a lot of the TV and film side of things, uh, you know, in our firm as well. We do TV, film, theater. We did a lot of the work with Audible on their theater project. And it was a similar thing. Like we're going to make theater, but it's also going to be a podcast. We're going to have a lot of a lot of ways to exploit this content. And yeah, I mean, it's interesting because during the pandemic, a lot of my TV and film clients were like, oh, I want to I do a podcast or I'll take this pilot that isn't going to sell because we can't film it now. I'll make it a podcast. And I had to sit them down and say, it's a very different world. <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of different nuances to audio than what you're used to. And you can't just take your TV pilot, you know, like scratch out TV and put podcasts and like <laughs> sell it. Like, it's not going to work. Podcasters are too smart for that. And that content is not going to make sense as a podcast. So I think... They had those ideas. I think it works better when you have the idea for a podcast and you think about the derivatives going in. You think about this could be a TV, this could be film. I can go into this podcast. I can build a great audience for this content who's going to follow me to TV or to follow me to a film. Those are all great things to take uh, to take into account when you're making your podcast deal. But don't don't repurpose your TV pilot and <laughs> try to sell yeah. this as a podcast that's not gonna it's not gonna fly <laughs> yeah I know we, we always say like if you didn't start a podcast during COVID like did you go through COVID? like this was podcast <laughs> yeah. was born out of out of COVID but yeah like trying to just find all those different mediums which is really cool now because um audiences I think are more interested in you know getting off their screens or yeah. being able to experience in theater or in a book or all of the different mediums um sure. so I'm also curious what does like up for you um what a podcast deal entails so like when they when the client specifically comes to you what are they looking for yeah I think I think it's different for everyone I mean I I like to take a sort of step back with our clients and say what are you hoping to get out of this like do you want make to make the most money it's a fair goal do you want to you know build an audience do you and we had during the pandemic like you were saying we had a lot of our sort of celebrity clients say I want I want to do a podcast you know I'm just sitting at home I'll do a podcast and I had to sit down with some of them and say okay this company wants you to do like 48 episodes are you going to do 48 episodes of this podcast and you know some were like gung-ho all for it and some were like that seems like a lot like I don't, I don't know if I'm really in for 48 episodes of a podcast. So I think that's part of the initial conversation. Like, 
what do you what do you want to get out of this and are you really up for what this is going to entail and it's that also comes down to you know when we're building a network too because it's you know a lot of people want a limited series a great investigative documentary those are great i love i love those that's like one of my favorite things to listen to but that's not going to sustain a network because it's a six or eight or ten episodes you need a, a weekly podcast or at least a every other week podcast so we're sort of taking that time to think through those issues because that really shapes how we negotiate with whatever the network is or how we negotiate with the creator if we're on the network side to really tailor the deal to what they actually want to get out of it that's going to influence like ownership and licensing that's going to influence you know derivatives do i pair do i have a way to you know monetize derivatives or are, are you really better positioned to do that so let me just participate in it so i think th those are all issues that come up you know ownership's a big issue in podcasting podcasters are very independent and they want to own things and you know that's that can be important if you know that you're going to be able to take advantage of it and you're really building something or maybe you'll get a better deal if you license it or you'll get a better deal if they own it and you know, you're just participating in it. So I, I think it's a lot of evaluating priorities and then making those priorities make sense in the deal that we're making for the podcast. No, uh, what I, um, you know, you were mentioning kind of like true crime podcasts and things like that. And I feel like that was like, and it's so popular, but you know, Serial came out and everyone's like true crime, true crime. <laughs> and then um, I feel like right now, even when I like turn on the TV right now, it's like everything's about like religion and Mormonism and everyone's really hyped on that. Yeah. What um what our audience is hungry for in the podcast space right now? Is it still the true crime stuff? Is it kind of shifting? I mean, true crime always sells. I mean, I think Discovery ID probably <laughs> figured that formula out many years ago. <laughs> or Dateline maybe before that. Um, so I think you can always do it. I, th I think it's interesting because we are seeing shifts both in TV and podcasts away from the sort of prepackaged true crime to like investigations and maybe investigations that aren't strictly true crime, but sort of meander through what happened to the person, have a more personal touch. I mean, I think always they're successful, podcasts are successful if there's like a real connection between the host and the audience. I think mm -hmm. if they're sort of reciting facts and it doesn't feel personal, no one really buys it. So I, I, it's interesting because I listened to a podcast that's been out for a while, but it was called Waiting for Impact. And it was about like a band and that appeared in a boys to men video, which seems very mm -hmm. like poppy. And, but the mm -hmm. story was very personal and the host was very personal. And so it's, it's just funny because you would think like, this is not, this isn't, this is not like an important, this is definitely not true crime. <laughs> this is not any, any sort of investigative thing, but it really, it hits home because it's interesting and it's compelling and the person is really invested in it and it's well done. So I think there's, there's always trends, you know, celebrity trends and true crime trends, but I think podcasts, you know, and I'm probably in TV too. I think good content always, always wins the day. Yeah. Content is king. And I feel like yeah. now too, I feel like every time I open up the trades, it's like this celebrity was cast to be in this podcast and there, there's <laughs> yeah. actually scripts and stuff, which is super cool too. So I'm excited yeah. to listen to all of those. Um, and I know we were just talking a little bit about COVID and, you know, a lot of people entering the podcast space and a lot of people tuning into podcasts, especially during COVID. Do you think we're going to still see that growth in the podcast space because I think it's slowed down a little but do you think it's going to kind of pick back up yeah I think I think there's less bored celebrities which is you know <laughs> bad I guess so we'll get less of that um but I think like you were saying that I think the scripted part has been I mean all podcasts are scripted but you know the truly fictional scripted side <laughs> of podcasting I think has the most 
the most potential for growth. We were working with Echoverse, which was doing a lot of sci-fi scripted podcasts, which I think is really cool. And I think there are, you know, there's actually, it's like how um, celebrities didn't want to do TV for a long time because it wasn't mm-hmm. like, you know, as highbrow. I think now podcasts are becoming more, I don't know if highbrow, but more appealing yeah. to yeah. celebrities to, to play those roles and to like, you know, I think it was a Kiernan Shipka was in the one um, that was like a podcast movie that was being mm-hmm. uh, promoted. I love that. Like, I love, I love making different sort of choices with the genre and I love attracting really good talent to, to play those voices. So I think that's a place where there's a lot of potential for growth and a lot of potential for innovation in the future. I agree. I agree. What are some of your favorite podcasts like, that you've listened to or what are you listening to now? Yeah, no, I mean, I listen to a lot. I probably subscribe to like hundreds of podcasts, but, but my <laughs> my go-tos are, you must remember this. I don't know if you've listened to it. It's like, 20, it's about 20th century Hollywood um, history, but it's just, she, she does a fabulous job. It's Karina Longworth and I wish she was, she's not a client. I wish she was, but she does a great <laughs> job with the, with the podcast. Um, and then I've been listening to Father's Knows Best. It was really good true crime again <laughs> podcast and then I my old standby is always 99% invisible because I could listen to Roman Mars talk all day no matter what he's talking about <laughs> I'm gonna subscribe right to all of those right after this for sure <laughs> um so I know you talked about this a little bit but like what what do podcasters need to know what did what number one advice are you giving to your clients or people who come to you yeah, I mean, I think it's funny because I have a lot of clients that come to me and say, I'm just, I just want to sign this deal. They're going to monetize it. You know, I'm going to get more advertisers. It's going to be great. And I have to stop them and say, look, what are, you know, they're going to own it or they're going to acquire it or they're going to, did you read the rest of the contract where they're doing X, Y, and Z? And I think it's taking that moment to really stop and think about it and and not just sign the first deal that comes by or not, not, not negotiate. Everything's negotiable. We're sort of, we're still, we're not really in the wild, wild west as we used to be a couple of years ago, but it's certainly still all negotiable. So I think just taking a minute to, to really think about it and not just sort of sign, <laughs> sign the first thing that comes down, but really think about it and, and push back and make sure you're going to get out of it what, what you really want out of it. And they're, and they're really going to support you and market your podcast <laughs> and really provide all the, all of the essentials to, to having the podcast that you're looking for. So looking forward in the podcast space, what are you most excited for or about? Mm. I, I think it's really back to the innovation. I'm excited for mm. the innovation. I love that it's constantly moving. I love that there's all creators. I love that there's not that really expensive barrier to entry as there is a TV. Like I love that you can, you can really do one in your closet if you want to, if you have a good story and you, you know, you find something interesting. I mean, you know, I was listening to, um, I was never there, which was a mom and daughter who investigated a, again, true crime, sorry. <laughs> true crime. I love true yeah. crime. I'm like, give me yeah. all the wrecks. <laughs> it was, and it was just like a mom and daughter who were like, we want to figure out this story. So we're going to make a podcast and go investigate this story. I love, I love that. Cause it's like, these are stories that would have such a hard time getting heard in the television and film space and they can make it and then you know people find it interesting and they you know, subscribe so it's just I love that sort of aspect of it that there's always a new story to uncover and there's always a new you know creative outlet to explore with this medium it's just endlessly endlessly interesting interesting and new problems and you know adventures are arising all the time <laughs> that's great now I also kind of want to shift to them 
and talk a little bit about some of the work that you're doing in like the, the traditional entertainment space in film mm-hmm. and television. Can you talk about some of those deals that you've worked on that you're working on? Yeah, yeah. The other part of my practice is largely representing reality TV production companies so and, and documentary filmmakers. So we represent a wide variety. I mean, we do we do everything for them from development to post-production through, you know, marketing and everything. Um, and we do we work with a, a lot of different shows. You know, we work from everything from like Cosmic Love on Amazon to 90 Day Fiance on, on uh, all the well, all the various iterations of it on Discovery. Um <laughs> You know, we've, we've done a few of the housewife shows. We've done the more some of the Mormon shows that you're talking about. <laughs> so, and we've worked with all the networks. You know, Netflix, Amazon, Discovery, HBO, everybody. So, we have a very wide ranging practice on that side, and a lot of different producers that we're working with. Um, now, what advice do you usually have for those clients, or what are you usually working on with them? Yeah, I mean, it's very similar in terms of you know, issues. I feel like um, unscripted producers can get into interesting situations <laughs> and they're, uh, they get into, you know, uh, uh, difficult problems <laughs> on a more regular basis than podcasters, which I guess that's something for podcasters to work towards. But it, it's a lot of like solving those problems, you know, how can we film this or we want to do this or this is our idea for a show. Is it even possible? And, you know, we, we did 60 days in on A&E and I remember the producer came to me and was like, I want to put people in jail for, for two months. And I was like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> you know, that's just, that's crazy. And then of course we worked it out and now it's, you know, it's seventh or eighth season. So you can always figure out a way to do things. It's just a matter of, you know, spending the time to talk it through and, and figure out you know, what the solution is and finding a willing partner to do it with, I guess. <laughs> That's so great. I know. I love all of those shows. Um, <laughs> now, besides, you know, in addition to your career, um, I know obviously a lot of uh, people and women listening to our podcast are thinking about going into law or, you know, wondering, is this the right career for me? What I know we talked about your day-to-day of your actual job, but what does your day-to-day look like? Um, I know you're a mother, um, you know, balancing all of that. How does that come into play? Yeah, I have two crazy boys. They're (laughs) eight and five. And they're, you know, (laughs) they're also, I guess they're also nonstop getting themselves into trouble that we have to figure out a solution to. Um, But no, it's it's great. I mean, it's, I think the pandemic actually has been, the best ever from that perspective. I mean, other than having to teach part of kindergarten, which I don't want to do again, <laughs> but the whole being home, getting to see them all the time, but also, you know, getting to work on my practice and, you know, work with my clients and not, you know, not commuting, <laughs> not having to manage all of that has been great. But yeah, I mean, it's, there's no one who will say it's easy. It's just always, you know, figuring out what fire you have to put out right now. <laughs> if it's a family fire or a work fire, just, there's no balance it's just like (laughs) juggling what whatever fire is most pressing at the moment the master juggle (laughs) um well i know we're almost out of time so just one final question um what advice do you have for young female lawyers or young women who want to get into law or they're starting out their career career and in particular if they're looking to get into the entertainment and podcast space yeah no i mean it's very tough i mean i think what I've always found successful is just, you know, meeting as many people as possible, reaching out. People are generally very nice and will talk to you. And and I think it's always good to make connections. And I had an associate who just started at Spotify. And when she called me, 
she was like, should I do this? What should I do? And I said, yeah, every opportunity is an opportunity, you know, take, take it. If you hate it, you know, and then spend a year there and go somewhere else, but you'll still have met new people. You'll still have, you know, built new skills. So I think it's always taking the next opportunity. And even if it's not the exact perfect, perfect thing for you, just take that opportunity, meet those people and it'll inevitably lead you to something new and, and, you know, and usually closer to where you're trying to go. So take those opportunities and meet everybody you can and, you know, look for those advocates because they're going to serve you well through your career. Perfect. Well, that's a beautiful note to end on. And <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on Unwrapped. I'm going to go subscribe to like all the podcasts now. I'm like, sorry, Sharon, like I'm going to be binging reality TV too for the rest of the day. Um, but thank you so, so much. Uh, we're so excited to have you as part of our Rap Woman family and we hope to see you again soon. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was, it was great to see you and great to talk with you. And welcome back again. I feel like, I feel like I'm like a tour guide and like, welcome back onto the unwrapped bus on your next stop. You'll be going to like, that's I feel like that's what my job is today, but you know what? I'm enjoying every second of it. Emily, you crushed that interview. I always like get a little bit sad when you do interviews without me. Um, but scheduling just, you know, it happens sometimes that we can't always be together. Sometimes the, the, gang has to split up a little bit but you always crush it when when it's just you so well done thank You're you so nice well i missed you so much and i'm happy we're reunited for, we're reunited for the rest of the episode um but yeah. i know i hope you guys had as much fun as we did uh during this episode in the meantime until our next episode until we we see each other again. Uh, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Rap Women, on Twitter at The Rap Women, and sign up for our Rap Women newsletter on rapwomen.com. For real, go do that newsletter because Emily's writing is great. And it's only, I'm again, I'm just a professional hype woman at this point, but her, her writing is genuinely, genuinely great. The newsletter always makes me smile when it comes through my inbox in the mornings. Andy, that is so nice. Thank you for always being my number one hype woman officially. I got you. Thank you all for tuning in. See you next time.